Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a show that explores the psychology, emotions, and math of money so that you can make better, smarter choices regardless of where you are on the income and wealth spectrums. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons. I'm just going to say here at the outset that today's episode is a little tender for me, and I am dedicating it to the memory of my mother, Fontilla Timmons. I am recording this leading up to the fifth anniversary of her death. And when I think about the passage of time, there are moments when five years seems like it was such a long time ago. And then there are other moments where it feels like, wow, it feels like it was just yesterday. And that warped sense of time and relationship uh, to time just also, you know, reminds me or puts me um, or puts in, in, in front and center a, a very complicated relationship that I'm having with grief. And then I'm really beginning to understand that it is something that never goes away. There are days and weeks and months where it is less acute, but it is always present. And even still, when I think about that and when I think about the passage of time, I still walk away with this notion of I am so, so grateful. I had an awesome mother. And not only was she an awesome mother, she was really an awesome person. And I don't know if you've ever had to go through this experience of you know closing out a loved one's estate and going through their things, but it's reminded me that she wasn't just my mother, right? She was a person. Uh, she was a person to other people. She was a human. She, I mean, obviously, I know she was a human, but she was a woman. Um, you know, she was, she was just more than the label of mother, I guess is what I'm really trying to say. And so, yes, I am biased in that, you know, she was really, really special to me, but I also know that she was special in the hearts of others as well. One of the things that I have been doing since her passing is I celebrate her birthday as well as the anniversary of her death by spending the day being intentional about what I do. And I do the things that either we would do when she would come for her visits twice a year for about a week or seven days. And that would include, you know, maybe going to a Yankee game. She took me to my first Yankee game when I was five, and it was, you know, somewhat of an annual tradition up until mobility became an issue and she couldn't do it. But we'd, you know, either go to a Yankee game or a museum, and one time we did both of those things in the same day. Uh, we'd catch a play or hear some live music, and we always, always had really, really good food. So... I commemorate her birthday and her anniversary by doing either the things that we've done or doing things that I know she would have loved to do. So it's almost like introducing her spirit to something new. I'm sharing our story today because this is yet another way of celebrating her because one of my mother's values was that of being of service. And for many years, she was an American Red Cross volunteer. She was this from, you know, a, a young child. I can remember her, you know, doing her thing when an emergency was, was, you know, required her presence all the way up through adulthood. 
And when you are an American Red Cross volunteer, you are helping families in need. In telling our story, I feel like yet again, my mother is helping families in their time of need. She is helping other families navigate those awkward conversations about death. She's helping them to focus, face their fears, and deal with the discomfort that comes from wanting to create a legacy by design and doing that proactively. Several years ago, I did a keynote for an insurance company. Appropriate, right? Um, and the title of my keynote was Passing on Wealth. It's not just about death, it's about love. Don't worry, I'm not going to read <laughs> um, my uh, keynote verbatim for a variety of reasons. But I do want to pull out and bring to your attention three topics um, that I shared during that talk um, and three topics that I think shape how we as individuals and we as families deal with death, wealth, and legacy. And so the first topic that I want to talk about is wealth. You've heard me share on previous episodes that I've only ever worked in financial services. Before starting my own firm, I worked at Bankers Trust and spent the majority of my time there in the private bank managing money for high net worth individuals. Since starting my own firm, I've also had celebrity clients. And so I know that from that experience or from those experiences that I have a skewed perspective of what wealth looks like. But guess what? So do you. You too have a perspective of what wealth is and who has it and what does it look like and what does it feel like. And you apply that both to others as well as to yourself. If you're driving, just think about this, but if you're sitting down as you're listening to this, I actually want you to take a moment to write this down. And the this that I want you to write down is, how do you define wealth? Here's why that is such an important question. However you define it, if you don't see yourself in that definition of wealth, what that likely means then is that you don't have a will, or if you do, might not be current because maybe some things have changed in your life and you haven't updated it. It may mean that you don't have a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. It may mean that actually you do have a will, but your circumstances would actually call for you to have a revocable living trust instead. Or maybe you have a will, but you don't have sufficient insurance to cover your liabilities. I didn't, before pressing record, I didn't go online to confirm if these stats still apply, but there hasn't been that much time between now and when I gave my speech, so I can't imagine that they've, they've changed in a you know, significant way. But one of the stats that I shared um, during my keynote was that 50% of whites have wills, 33% of blacks have wills, and 25% of Latinos have wills. I think these numbers can be better. 
I think they ought to be better. And I think that they absolutely need to be better if we are going to improve our economic and social opportunities on an individual basis, in terms of our families, and in terms of our communities. The second topic that I covered during this keynote was our fear of death. Yes, we know it is a part of life. We're born, there's a dash, and then we die. We just don't know when the latter is going to happen, but we know that it is coming at some point in time. And yet, we don't talk about death, and as a result of not talking about it, we then also then tend not to want to do the things that are required when putting together an estate plan. And look, I get it. <laughs> Here's the irony. I work in financial services. I know the importance of you know, someone having their estate plan done. And I was not the one spearheading this. It was my mother. And she had been doing it for quite some time. And um, I'm, I'm sure you probably have you know, this relationship with your parents as well from the standpoint of you know when you have crossed that line in terms of they either give you that look or that tone of voice changes. And I realized in one of our last conversations that she was like, look, you better get it together, girl. And so I did, and we got it together, and we got you know, all of it done. But what, you know, reflecting back on that makes me think about is that we tend to think of estate planning as being just about death and just about the process of passing on assets at the end of life. Understandably so, because death is what triggers that cascade. But what I've come to see and what I would love for you to imagine and to adopt and to embrace is this viewpoint that actually views estate planning as not just about death, as not just about the passing on of assets, but also the passing on of values throughout life. If you were to embrace that perspective, what would be different? What actions would you take? What conversations would you have? And with whom and when? The third thing that I talked about during this keynote was the whole notion of time, but I wrapped it through the lens of legacy. And my point that I was making here was that we often view the passing on of wealth as being just about the future. But what if instead we also thought of it as being about the present? So that instead of preparing to just have one talk about the future, we actually made a commitment in the present to have ongoing conversations, to share family stories, and to share family stories with regards to you know, the family's history in general and the family's history with money and what were some of the choices that the family made, what were some of the sacrifices that the family made. And when I say this, you know, it makes me think of the West African oral history tradition of storytelling. Like how powerful would that be 
if when we get together, you know, with the larger family, whether it's the nuclear one or the layer beyond that and the layer beyond that for the holidays and reunions, if we carved out some time to tell those stories, not just about the family history, but also the history with money and things that people have overcome. I think that that would be powerful on a personal and family level, but I also think it would be powerful for this reason. There is um, an industry saying that goes like this. The first generation makes it, the second generation spends it, and the third generation blows it. If we got into the habit of not just having one conversation, but making a commitment to have ongoing conversations, we would put that statement that is so prevalent in the financial industry, we would put a kibosh on it. So instead of just focusing on the money during these conversations, we could focus on the purpose of money and highlight the economic and social opportunities that that focus has afforded the family. We could focus on looking at estate planning, not as a dreaded obligation, but actually view it as an act of love and view it as a chance to pass along your feelings and your values and your dreams and your aspirations and your objectives. And again, not just sharing it orally, but also having it documented on paper. And if you're listening to this, maybe this resonates with you because this is what you and your family did. And so that's awesome. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, girl, this sounds like pie in the sky and it is all woo woo. And what I want to say to you is as a beneficiary of such an approach, it is grounding and it is so comforting. And it really showcases that love is a verb. It is an action. I miss my mother terribly. Oh, God, you know, I'm so grateful for the fact that I do have her voice recorded, and so I can always go back and listen to that, and I have a ton of photos that I can reference. Um, but I miss her physical presence, and I am so grateful to her. I am so grateful for her, and I am also so incredibly proud of her for so many reasons, but one in particular because my mother worked for Social Security for 38 years and she worked there in an administrative capacity. And so why am I sharing that? I'm sharing that because we were not a wealthy family. We were not a private banking family. And she did not let that stop her from putting together an estate plan. Another thing that I am proud of my mother about is that I mentioned again, she worked for Social Security, and yet she died without a mortgage, which by the way, I did not discover until after her death. But I just think about, wow, what discipline, what sacrifice, what diligence was required in order for her to make sure that there was no mortgage upon her death. I am just so grateful for these and many, many other gifts, but especially as it pertains to what we're talking about today, I am really, really grateful for her foresight. I am grateful for her discipline. I am grateful for her desire to actually plan ahead. And I am really, really grateful for 
the gift that this process has afforded me from the standpoint of I have been able to grieve uninterrupted and unencumbered by things that should have been done because they were in fact done. There weren't any unresolved financial concerns or any unresolved financial decisions that needed to be addressed. And you, you have to know, if you don't know, that that is just an amazing gift to give your child or to give whomever you are leaving behind. And it is why when I was thinking about the keynote, I came up with the title, Passing on Wealth Isn't Just About Death, because for me, what my experience highlighted is that it is about generosity, it's about kindness, it's about compassion, it's about life, it's about love, or as I'd like to say, all of the things a worthy legacy is made of. Again, I'm sharing our story as a way of commemorating my mother, yes, but also as a way of continuing and carrying forward the torch of helping families in their need, in their time of need, about what is often a delicate topic. And I hope that you will take from this what resonates with you, what prompts you to do something differently, and use it as a call to action to indeed make your legacy count. Today, my sign-off is simply going to be, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate that. If you don't have an estate plan in the works, please take the time to do so. And if you do, please take the time to make sure that it reflects what you want right now. Until next time, remember, it is about more than money. Mm -hmm.